Dartmoor, England's last wilderness, once called a wild and wondrous region, the tours and mires of Dartmoor are still haunted by the fables and legends of this mysterious place. This is Myth and More. Welcome once again to episode three of Myth and More. Now, this is going to be an interesting one. With me, as always, Mr. David Hawkins. Hello. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting one because episode three is about beasts and crypto beasts. All kinds of weird and wonderful and quite terrifying animals. This is particularly relevant because probably Dartmoor's most famous supernatural story comes from Arthur Conan Doyle and his Hound of the Baskervilles. Yeah, I think most people are aware of uh, the Hound of the Baskervilles and how um, Conan Doyle's hero, Sherlock Holmes, was able to track down um, what turned out, in fact, to be a mythical um, beast on the moor that was terrifying the local people. but we know that Conan Doyle spent quite a bit of his time um, in the little Dartmoor village called Manerton. And nearby is Hound Tor. Mm. Actually, one of two Hound Tors on oh, Dartmoor. Okay. Um, but the, the, the one that he was particularly uh, concerned with was, was near the village of Manerton. And it was that, we think, that gave rise to um, that... Uh, extraordinary story of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Um, But of course the whole business of um, mythical beasts on Dartmoor, particularly large black hounds or dogs, um, is something that goes back many, many centuries. Yeah. But I thought maybe before we get into uh, into dogs, yeah. if you'll forgive the expression, we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of the other beasts that we find on yes, Dartmoor. Yes, go on. And um, of course, it's it's Dartmoor's grim raven, which Ooh. characterises the bird life of of Dartmoor. Um, these are very very terrifying birds, actually, with their massive black beaks, their carrion eaters, and if you see the bones of a dead sheep or, or pony on Dartmoor, they will almost certainly have been picked absolutely clean mm. by these um, these terrible beasts. Now, there's a, an interesting and rather grisly tale yeah. told about Dartmoor's ravens. Um, we go back again to, I suppose, the middle of the uh, the nineteenth century. Yeah. Um, on the southeastern slopes of Dartmoor is the little market town of Morton Hampstead. Yeah. And uh, one day a young mother was uh, working in her cottage and she heard the church bells of Morton Hampstead ringing. Mm. And she knew that this was a fair day and that there would be all sorts of excitements going on in the town. Right. But she had a little baby. Oh, couldn't take the baby to the fair. That would spoil her fun. So she popped the baby in its little cot popped it out in the back garden there there you'll be, you'll be safe <laughs> you'll seem like a great you'll idea. be safe said the it's mother not a cat you should have put the no, baby it's, it's out. a baby she yeah. put the baby so off she went into morton hampstead joined in the revels right. maybe stayed a little bit longer than she okay. had anticipated yeah um and she didn't return to her cottage until the evening 
went out into the garden. The baby was gone. She was distraught. The distraught mother ran around to her neighbours. Have you seen my baby? No. So a search party was set up and they spent some time scouring the local lanes and fields. Found nothing until somebody said, why don't we look on the top of Blackingstone Rock? Obviously. Well, yeah, Blackingstone Rock is actually a very obvious landmark. It's this huge dome of granite which comes prominently out into the landscape from the fields that surround the edges of Dartmoor. Mm. And uh, it's not that easy to climb. It's quite. I, um, I say not obviously because it's not obvious that the baby would be there. No, but don't forget, they looked everywhere else. Okay. And so this was really the last resort. And I wonder if at this point any of them asked her, uh, any, any reason that you happen to be missing the baby? Oh, no, 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 no big deal. Just sort of turned around, baby was gone. Not that I left it outside for like eight hours. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if there was any Unbelievable. Um, inquiry into her motives well, subsequently, but, th- but that's not really what the story is. Yeah, about. my diagnosis, bad babysitting. It was pretty <laughs> poor babysitting. You, you've got to admit that. Right, so off they go to Blackingstone Stone Rock. Rock. A couple of stout fellows climb to the summit. What did they find? A baby. The remains of the baby that guarded by three huge ravens. They had picked the baby's body clean. And the glimmering white bones were all that was left. That's horrible. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is what you get with... With ravens. That's on the mother, I think. Dartmoor's <laughs> grim ravens. That yeah. one's on the mother. I mean, the ravens are just ravening in that case. They're not, you know, the, it was the mother's fault, I think. I wonder if that's where the phrase comes from, because you hear about the ravening beast. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you've actually coined a phrase there. Ravens just ravening. The they've ravening. got a raven. Yeah, they've got a raven. Yeah. Um, Want to hear about um, something which doesn't really uh, happen these days? Yeah, go it's, on. It's, it's oh, well, the baby snatching by ravens doesn't that's happen pretty much. Pretty poor. No, but yeah. as you said, that's just what ravens do. That's true. That. Yeah. Um, but uh, the practice of hair coursing has been frowned upon for many, many years now. Is this like badger baiting, similar kind of setup? It's it's pretty much. But mm. it was in 18th century Chagford, hair coursing was a pretty popular sport. Okay. Um, and there was one particular hare which they could never catch. Mm. It was very, very fleet-footed. And every time it escaped, the hunters and their dogs. But strangely enough, there was a, a local witch in Chagford. <laughs> as, yeah. um, maybe in another episode we'll talk more about witches because they do appear quite a bit. Okay. Um, but the witch told the, the hunters that the hare could be caught, provided they used a bitch which had been spayed. Now, I don't know much about animals, no. but I imagine this is some kind of neutered yes. female yes. dog. Yeah. Um, so next time, they brought such a dog to the course. Mm-hmm. Off they went, chasing this hare. Oh, that's the one that we can never catch. And far across Meldon Common, they ranged, until eventually the dog just managed to grasp the back leg of the hare bit it, but the hare wriggled free through a hedge, disappeared. 
Later on, the hunters were on their way back into Chagford. No doubt they were going to uh, refresh themselves, maybe at the Three Crowns Inn, something like that. Yeah. Um, And they happened to look through the cottage window of Moll, the witch of Chagford. And they were amazed to see that she was putting a plaster on her leg Uh, at exactly the point where the dog had bitten her. Very good. But why is she? Why was she promoting the use of this dog to catch herself? Well, as we keep saying with these <laughs> legends, they they don't actually. Um, well, maybe she was trying to put them off the scent. No, somehow. they they don't really lend themselves to very close scrutiny. scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> they are what they are. I okay. think basically. Well, maybe she. Um, maybe you know. Maybe it's hiding in plain sight. Maybe that's the. Uh, maybe well, that's, that's, that's the it. But you you can't really sort of pre pre judge the, the what what witches do well um, no that's true they are very much a law unto themselves yeah um but whilst we're talking about hares there's another interesting story um have you the, got a, have you got a were rabbit for me i haven't got a a were rabbit oh, as okay. such no it's a pity i'm i'm sorry about that <laughs> but, uh, no there are no were rabbits but this i suppose you could say was a were hare oh um One morning on the western slopes of Dartmoor, um, a young woman was making her way across the moor to market in Tavistock. Yeah. We both know Tavistock well. Lovely little greeny grey town on the western slopes of Dartmoor. Um, It was still dark, um, and as she made her way across the moor, a white hare suddenly jumped up from in front of her, jumped into her lap. Oh. And beast... And woman were, you know, pretty yeah. shocked and surprised yeah. by this. Oh, what's going on? And then suddenly behind her, she heard the thundering hooves and weird cries Ooh. of the spectral hunt as it made its way across the moor. The devil was riding that night. We know that he rides on many nights on Dartmoor. A spectral hunt? Yes. So... A, a a band of horses and riders, I guess. Of ghostly horses yes, and yeah, riders. Yeah. Um, and the devil rode up to her on his coal black steed. Ooh. Have you seen a hare? Did he speak like that? <laughs> I don't know. Does why the devil speak voice. like that? Yeah. Have you seen a hare, my good woman? Yeah. Um, and the woman denied this. Said no, no, no. I haven't seen a seen a hare. Oh, well. At this point, the devil seems to have been sort of. Pretty gullible, because he said, okay, fair <laughs> enough. And they, they yeah. turned around and, and rode off into the distance. And immediately, the hare transformed itself into a beautiful young girl. Yeah. Now, for some reason, and again we don't know, she had been condemned to be chased forever oh, by crikey, a spectral That's another hunt. harsh condemnation. Yeah. And the only way to get herself out of this mm. was to somehow get behind the hunt ah. and because the uh, the woman on her way to market had achieved that she was released from the curse nice but why was she cursed in the first place what had she done yeah we don't know what's the kind of degree of cursing is being turned into a constantly chased rabbit higher or lower than being turned into a dwarf I, All I, these myths have to do with doing an impossible job, but somehow finding a way of completing it. Yes. Then you're released from the That's curse. That's true. Um, but I think the bailing of the water, even given the dwarfism and the sieve, as we discussed last time, 
is not as bad as being constantly chased by the devil and a pack of of of, of monstrous ghost riders. No, I entirely. So she must have done something worse than she, that's my point. Is that yeah. she must have done something worse than stealing a sheep? No, I think you've made a very good point. We will never know. No, that's true. The reason. Well, maybe we can create our own curse. hierarchy of cursing. Yes. Well, usually in those days, it was with with young women. It was to do with committing adultery or or that kind of thing, wasn't it? Insider trading or insider trading <laughs> or maybe illegitimate children, <laughs> right. um, those sort of things, but. We actually don't know why why she was cursed, but... She got away with it. She got away with it. She was never seen again. But the woman who saved her mm-hmm. and who broke the curse prospered oh, thereafter. Okay. So there is actually... Well, maybe she was wrongly accused then. Maybe she was actually, you know, maybe she was righting a wrong well, maybe. by saving her. Yeah, mm. perhaps, perhaps that's the case. Um, but we, we just don't know. Let, let's move on to another, um, a much more leisurely kind of beast. Okay. Sloth. Maybe even slower <laughs> oh, than a slower sloth. slower than a sloth? Yeah, slower Crikey. than a sloth. We're thinking mollusk here. <laughs> I can't imagine how scary a story about a, about a mollusk is going to be, but give it a go. Well, shall I tell you the tale, and give then me, you can yeah, form your own opinion yeah, okay. as to this? Um I'm sure you and I, um, on our travels in France, we've all enjoyed escargots from time to time, haven't we? Uh, yes, indeed. Very yeah. nice. A little bit of garlic, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's mostly about the garlic sauce, isn't it? It, it is, really. Yes. yes, it's just like a bit of gristle exactly, uh, that yeah. tastes of garlic. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of parsley as well sometimes. Yeah. So it makes it go down quite well. Um, but on Dartmoor, the tale takes a rather different turn. Okay. Um, on the River Dart, above Dartmeat, there's a farm called Laughter Hole. Sounds, sounds like a jolly place. Yep. And above it is Laughter Tor. Ah, okay. Which, if I can just digress for a moment, you'll find many tours on Dartmoor yeah. um, have got the same syllable at the end. So you've got Harter Tor, Laughter Tor. Okay, okay. And it is thought that this is because in the early days of the Ordnance Survey, when the surveyors were out on the the moors they didn't know what any of these hills were called so they'd say to the old farmers and the old moor men excuse me my good man yeah what's that tour called and the old farmer would say oh that's laugh tour so they'd say oh it must be laughter oh i tour. see okay right, and, gotcha. and so they added another tour onto the end oh, interesting. Um, of course we know in lancashire this has happened in extremis where you've got pendle hill which strictly means Hill hill, 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 hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that that's quite an interesting little digression. Right, let's get back to this snail. Let's cause... get back to snails. Well, th- there was a house um, near Laughter Tor, yeah. um, and it was called White's Slade. Okay. And it was originally the home of a clergyman. Now, why a clergyman would choose to live in the middle of nowhere, in a very remote spot, far from any church, we don't know. Well, I mean, between the between the clergymen, the witches, and the sheep stealers, they seem to make up about a hundred percent of Dartmoor's population, based on these stories. Pretty much. <laughs> um, but after this particular clergyman left White Slade, yeah, the house was taken over by two ladies, and they were a mystery, absolute mystery. Right. They didn't grow crops. They didn't keep rabbits. 
They never went to the shops, mm-hmm. and yet on the rare occasions when they were seen, they looked hale and hearty and healthy. Okay. Of course, needless to say, the locals immediately put them down as witches. Obviously. And if you're a witch, obviously you then have to be harassed <laughs> mercilessly. <laughs> it's part of the deal. Yeah, it's okay. all part of the deal. Yeah, fair enough. So, a group of locals who presumably were not clergymen, right. but may well have been old farmers, yeah. went up to White Slade to see what they could find out about these two old ladies. For some reason, they weren't in the house at the time. So in they went, and in the kitchen were shelves laden with jars. Full of snails. And slugs. Oh. All pickled. Ooh, weird. And it was decided that these old ladies lived on nothing but slugs and snails. And so... In local legend, the house, of course, needless to say, was renamed Snaily House. Yeah. And if you look at the Ordnance Survey map today, Snaily House, Weird. still there. Um, but unfortunately, as soon as our secret was out, the old ladies pined away uh. and died. But strangely enough, our old folklore friend Bering Gould oh, yeah. reckoned that there was a similar story of two old ladies in the parish of Sheepstall oh. way across on the other side of the moor and his theory was that these these ladies were the survivors of an ancient race of people <laughs> who inhabited Dartmoor who lived on nothing but mollusks Ooh, or maybe they know um, something we don't well who knows Pretty weird. But that's a very unusual sideline on the the Dartmoor diet. Um, Yeah, very strange. I wouldn't want to spend my life eating snails, regardless of how heavily garliced they were. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a niche in the market there for (laughs) opening up the Dartmoor snail restaurant. Well, maybe. With a range of uh, You'd get at least four witches (laughs) attending. Well, you could have a range of very, very fine dishes created from... From local mollusks. Specifically for yeah. the Wiccan community. Absolutely. There you go. But it's not only snails. That, well, no, uh, I was hoping there might be something slightly more uh, slightly more terrifying than yeah. a snail. The next story I, I want to talk about is, is almost more a ghost story than okay. a beast story. But there are beasts involved. Well, so let's, I, let's think it's, it I think it's worth giving it a go. But okay. we, we may return to it in another episode. Okay. Um, about ghosts and okay. hauntings, cool. um, which is 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 coming up uh, yes. before too long, I think. But on the western slopes of Dartmoor, very windswept area where the southwesterlies pour in from the Atlantic, um, is a group of tours called Certain Tours, and below them runs an ancient way called the King Way, and long before the A three eight six between Tavistock and Oakhampton was constructed through Mary Tavy and Peter Tavy. Mm. This was the main route. And it's here where you can often see the ghosts of gigantic black hounds. Ooh. You know, Conan Doyle, eat your heart yeah, out. You yeah. weren't the first to think of these things. Um, these hounds are very often seen chasing an equally ghostly coach. Mm. And the coach is believed to be formed of yeah. the bones of the murdered husband 
of Lady Weird. Fitzford. Lady Howard of Fitzford House, near Tavistock. She was a Jacobean beauty, apparently. Ooh. But, like many Jacobean beauties, <laughs> she was a pretty cruel person. She poisoned two of her four husbands. Well, she needed to make the carriage, so I'd imagine she'd need more than one set of bones. Yep, so I well, should think it was her M.O. to Her uh, M.O., lots yeah. of husbands, kill them, yeah. create... Turn well, them into a carriage. Perhaps I didn't say that it was, of course, a spectral carriage. Of course, but you actually. still need the bones. You still was, need yeah, the bones. Yeah. And she had a daughter, her only daughter, um, whom she treated cruelly, apparently. Nasty piece of work. But like most of these people, they get their comeuppance in the end. Yeah. And she died, but I'm not sure whether she was actually condemned to death. Probably was. You poisoned two husbands. You probably. <laughs> I think that would be pretty high on the list, and probably result in some kind of um, some kind of punishment worse than we previously had. I think the forces of justice would probably come into play at this point. Yeah. Um, needless to say, she was condemned <laughs> to take the form of a gigantic black hound, Ooh. and she would follow the carriage along the Kingway every night to Oakhampton Castle. And there, she was condemned to pluck... Again? Yep. <laughs> she was condemned to pluck one blade of grass from the lawn outside oh, Oakhampton Castle. That is a boring job. And return home with it. Only when the lawn was pecked clean Ooh. would her purgatory end. Crikey. Apparently, she's still doing it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of blades of grass. Keeps growing, of course. Um... There are other variants to this story. I hate bringing poor old Bering Ghoul back into well, it every time, but you doing, know he is one of work. our local folklorists, yeah. and you've just got to listen to what he says. Um, he says that sometimes Lady Howard's ghost actually rides in the coach. Well, that's a bonus. And the gaunt dog, sometimes a bloodhound, mm. sometimes some other kind of hound, I suppose, yeah. runs on ahead. But whatever the truth of that... It's just one example of the many stories of spectral hounds on Dartmoor. Why is it that hounds seem to be the thing for Dartmoor then? Well, I think... Was there, was there any, you know, stray dogs or anything up on the moors? It seems unlikely. It's a pretty inhospitable environment. Well, of course, all farmers use dogs to um, sure, yeah. look after their sheep, but yeah. they're rather sort of friendly little um, yeah. border collies and things like yeah. that. No, these are gigantic hounds. I think what it is... If you're up on the moors at night and you hear those winds howling and whistling yeah. through the rocks, you've just got to think, was that the wind? Or was it maybe Ooh. the baying of a gigantic hound? Well, I imagine that, that I'm going way back here, but when wolves were common across the mm, UK, yeah. I would have imagined that, that there would have been a wolf population on the moors. Almost certainly, yes. And this is maybe just the folk memory of that. Are there but, any are there any stories of you know like the beast of Bodmin Moor? Are there any stories like that from Dartmoor where there's an actual beast that's been terrorizing people? No, it's interesting that you should raise that point because unlike the beast of Bodmin or the Yeti or yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Bigfoot, there is no real tradition of mm. that sort of mysterious beast on Dartmoor. Most of them are the ghosts of if not domestic animals, then wild animals, but yeah. which are known to science. I think the thing is that unlike well, unlike Bodmin and other places, 
there's nowhere to hide on Dartmoor. Maybe that's what it is. You couldn't really easily... Well, if there were yetis, you'd just see them all the time because there's no trees or anything. Well, so you'd just see a whole crew of yetis exactly. knocking about. The, the only thing I can point to is a very obscure reference in um, the poem called just called Dartmoor mm. by a famous uh, 17th century poet. 17th century? No, 18th century. <laughs> I correct myself there. 18th century poet. Yeah. Nicholas Carrington, okay, um, and he referred to winged serpents Ooh. being associated with the old tin works on Dartmoor. Oh, and and that story was borrowed from another, um, uh, even earlier writer on Dartmoor. Um, that's that's where the seventeenth century thought came came into being. Richard Polwheel. Oh yeah, old Polwheel. Um, Polwheel talking about the. Um, Mine workings in the Moorside villages of Manhattan mm. and Teen Grace also referred to the winged serpents. Weird. But reading about that made me think of the book by D.H. Lawrence, The Plumed Serpent. Yeah. And that's a story, of course, about the pagan gods of Mexico, Quetzalcoatl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another winged serpent. So we have to ask ourselves whether, in fact, this is yet another of those global myths which get carried across from one um, one part of the world to another. Mm. Um, I mean, there are cases um, of animal mutilations um, yeah. on Dartmoor. There was a case some years ago, 30 or 40 years ago, I think, where a whole number of Dartmoor ponies were found dead with limbs broken, mysterious mutilations. Yeah, inexplicable. That was in the 70s sometime, wasn't it? And that... That is weird because there was a large group, I think 12 or 15 ponies all in one place because it's not unusual to find one dead pony. No, exactly. You know, fallen, we, broken its leg no, or we, whatever. No, we've seen them ourselves on the moors yeah. and a pretty horrible sight it is too. Yeah, but to find such a large group of them together, pretty weird. And one thing that that I did notice doing a little bit of research is that there is quite a lot of UFO sightings on and around uh, Dartmoor. Uh, and that maybe, you know, oftentimes where you have animal mutilation or animal death, it's linked to UFOs. And I would have thought that Dartmoor would be a, a great hotspot for UFO sightings uh, just because of the broad open skies mm. and everything else that you have. It certainly hasn't become a, a centre of what used to be called UFO flaps. Yeah, um, yeah. We get those in southwest Wales, in Pembrokeshire, for example, and, of course, also in um, Somerset. Mm. Where the and they're usually associated with ley lines, and oh, yeah, we know, of yeah. course, that there is a major ley line, the so-called Dragon Line, that runs from St Michael's Mount in Cornwall right across the UK, mm. um, and goes, needless to say, through Glastonbury Tor, of course, yeah. and and other such mystical places. Yeah. Um, but as far as I'm aware, there hadn't really been any major sightings of UFOs on Dartmoor. Um, but who knows? Those beasts may well have been killed by the downdraft of a UFO. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Or equally, when the River Dart came up, we've spoken about uh, how the Dart um, can rise and become a very yeah, dangerous yeah. river. Probably they were simply caught up in a torrent after a massive rainstorm and, and crushed against the rock. It'd have to be quite a torrent, I would have thought. Oh, it would. <coughs> but let, let's get back. Can we get back to the black dogs? We can. Go on, let's get yeah. back to the black dogs. <clears throat> I'm just thinking of um, 
one of the stories of um, of black dogs that associated around um, a massive um, rock formation on the southwestern slopes of Dartmoor called the Dewar Stone. Okay. Now, many people believe that old Dewar is the devil himself. Who is this chap then? Well, it's 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 a personification of the devil. Okay. We are pretty certain. Um, from an etymological point of view, that the Dewar Stone um, mm. is derived from the Celtic word dur, meaning water. Okay. So it's a stone by the water, basically. But legends have grown up <coughs> over um, over the centuries that Dewar is a personification of the devil. And needless to say, he has a pack of phantom hounds. Oh, of course. Which chase across the moor. And this spectral pack has been seen and feared for centuries by the dwellers on Dartmoor. It's close to Shore Prior, lovely little village down uh, on the southwestern slopes of the moor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's cut into by the River Meavy. Yeah. Um, an absolutely delightful spot. Apart from the spectral hounds. Obviously. Apart from the spectral mm-hmm. hounds. Bit and of an issue. One of the things they really enjoy doing is chasing some poor fella. <laughs> across the moors until he gets to the edge of the Dewar Stone, can't stop himself, plunges over to his, usually to his death. Yeah. But if not, right. there is another hound that patrols the base of the rock that just oh, finally nasty. finishes so, him off. Oh, so even if you do survive the drop, <laughs> yeah, that's not a lot of fun. And there's one particular story that's told about Dewar. Um, they particularly like Hunting the souls of unbaptized babies. <laughs> Crikey. And there's a story told about a farmer who's been out all night drinking and he's making his way, trotting along. His horse is probably uh, better um, able to find his way home yeah. than the farmer himself yeah. after all this. But he encounters the black hounds, often called the wish hounds. You've probably that? heard of the wish or the wished. Well, I think the word wished means eerie. Or okay. strange. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we, we come to another um, etymology of that word in a minute, if okay. we've got time to yeah. talk about it. Um, so the farmer sees the uh, the spectral pack going across and shouts out to the uh, the huntsman, who who we know to be the devil, of course. Of course. Dewar, old Dewar. Oh, have you had good sport tonight? Yes, says Dewar. We'll share it with you. Throws him this bundle. Ooh, probably got a nice, uh, nice um, hair or something yeah, I can put yeah, in the yeah. pot when I get home. Rides home, opens the bundle. It's the body of his only child. Oh no! Horrible. He neglected to have it baptized. <sighs> if only he'd had that baby Christmas, <laughs> this problem would not have arisen. Or it might have been like the woman in town. He might have just left the baby out for the day and come back. <laughs> oh, did you leave the baby? No, I didn't leave the baby out. It must have been uh, some kind of devilry at work. Yeah. There's a lot of negligent parentage going on in Dartmoor. Well, they were so busy. We've already discussed how hard a place Dartmoor is to, to eke a living from. Yeah. And, you know, you haven't got time to think about keeping your babies under control. <laughs> But the guy could well oh, actually dear. have had it baptised and then maybe 
viewer would not have been so Maybe. interesting. But you've got to ask yourself, with all these phantom hounds around, yeah. um, do they have their own kennels? <laughs> well, I'm guessing you don't need a kennel when you're, when you're a spectral hound. Well... Some say maybe a spectral forest would be the place oh, to yeah. have your spectral kennel. Indeed. And many people say that the home of the spectral hounds is Wistman's Wood. Okay. Okay. Now, again, you've got the etymology there. Wished man's ah, wood. Okay. Was it, gotcha. Does it actually mean the eerie man's wood? Ooh. It's a very interesting place, actually, Wistman's Wood. Um, it's one of only three ancient woodlands on Dartmoor which somehow managed to exist above the normal tree line. Right, okay. Um, yeah, because it's mostly barren. It's, it is very, very barren. This is on the West Dart River, below the slopes of Longerford Tor. And the oak trees are gnarled and small Ooh. and grow very, very slowly. Um, and it's thought that the spectral hounds kennel in amongst the grey boulders and lichen-encrusted trees. And some say they've actually been seen setting forth from the wood on their spectral hunt. But I think if you look at the etymology, Wisman's Wood, think about the Celtic, Uisgmeinkoid, the stony wood by the water. Now, you might think that's a more likely explanation. Yeah, maybe. I certainly do. The persistence of the myth of the black dogs does come right into modern times. Oh, okay. Well, modern times. A century ago, a coroner's jury um, on the edges of Dartmoor Mm -hmm. decided that a body which they had found with a look of horror on its face lying by one of Dartmoor's rivers had probably been struck down by a phantom hunt <laughs> so it's obviously still very much in the forefront of, of people's minds from the more these uh, very these dogs. very very much so but what about other dogs going up onto the moor because obviously a lot of people walk their dogs up there and you know how dogs react to other dogs mm. i wonder if there's any stories of uh, real hounds going up there and being spooked or scared by by these dogs I think there probably are from time to time. Mm. Um, but Eric Hemery, who is the um, what, one of the great historians of Dartmoor and someone who's able to um, describe in huge detail one of the, uh, one of the many, many incidents, um, says that in the 1960s um, there were some people riding um, horses on Dartmoor who saw a huge black dog leap out of the rocks at Hound Tor and followed them down to the house. Um, there are Bronze Age and medieval remains nearby at Hound Tor, so maybe well, again this is go. a folk legend that goes way back. Yeah. But there's a, a very odd story. I, I don't really understand it. Um, in the first half of the 20th century, there was a doctor who was walking on the tour and he came back to the car in an absolute trance. And he said he'd heard a voice speaking in Hebrew. Mm. And when asked, well, why Hebrew? He mysteriously said, oh, because of the Egyptians. <laughs> well, uh, who can explain that? No. I certainly can't. No. Um, and some, of course, say that the tour itself is uh, comprised of many dogs which have been turned to, to stone. Weird. 
Can we move from black dogs to, to white birds Why not? for a moment? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people have heard of the uh, the story of the white bird of the Oxenums. I have not. Tell me. Ah, right. Well, the legend goes back to the 17th century, the time of King Charles I. Okay. And no one quite knows how it started, but um, a traveller was in a stonecutter's workshop in London. Right. Um chap called James Howell, and he saw a strange inscription on a gravestone. And he copied this and published it. And basically, what it said was that a mysterious phenomenon had accompanied the deaths of three members of the Oxenham family. John, Mary his sister, and James his son. And the legend on the tombstone said that at the death of each of these, a strange white bird was seen fluttering around Ooh. the dying person, only to disappear as they breathed their last. Weird. John, Mary and James, they all died in 1635, so this Funky. goes That's back, you know. That's a bad year. We're, we're going back nearly 400 years. That's a bad year, though. Yeah. Well, it was a bad year for the, <laughs> for the Oxenums. Yep. Yeah. Who were the Oxenums? Well, they were minor landed gentry they were sort of yeoman farmers okay yeah um and they they held the uh the manor of oxenham in south Torton, which is right on the yeah northern slopes of dartmoor a century later margaret oxenham was feasting on the eve of her wedding during the wedding feast her father saw the white bird fluttering oh. over her head next day off she went to church to get married. Ooh. Did it all go smoothly? I, I don't think it did. No, it didn't. Because unknown to most of her family, she had another suitor ah. who she had cruelly rejected. He rushed into the church, murdered her <laughs> in front of the altar, wow, stabbed her That's pretty bad. viciously, and in the... Ensuing he's definitely gonna, he's definitely going to end up dwarfed that yeah. guy. Well, minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Minimum sentence dwarfing. Yeah. Um he ended up in the melee being stabbed as well. So yeah. so that was a rather um, unfortunate wedding story to tell. And did a white bird fly off after that? Well, the white bird, you remember I said the white bird was seen over her head during the oh, wedding okay. feast. Oh, okay. So it was already on the night before. It was oh, already uh, it was uh, known. foreseen. It was foreseen. Yes. Mm. Um, and the Oxenham family survived into the first part of the 20th century. Um, Amias Oxenham was living in Exeter, and apparently he was writing at his desk. A white bird flew through the window, landed on his desk beside him. What happened? Can you guess? I can guess. Go Dead. On. Dead. A few days later, <laughs> poor old Amias Sorry, Thank no you. more. Yep. Watch out for white birds. Now, I really must apologise mm. for mentioning dear old Baring Gould again, right, but okay. he had a theory about the white bird of the okay. Oxenums, which I think is pretty feeble, to be honest. <laughs> right, go on. He said it was simply a, ver a variant of the corpse candle. Oh, We'll talk about the corpse candles in another episode, okay. I think, because it's very, very interesting. But this is the blue flame which is supposed to lead a soul to its final resting place. 
But how you can confuse a blue flame with a white bird, I really don't know. And in fact, in some of the uh, instances of of Oxenham deaths, the Bishop of Exeter has in fact carried out an inquiry. And he has interviewed many, many people, respectable people, Mm -hmm. knowledgeable people, who all attest to having seen the white bird of the oxenum must have been somehow spiritually tied to the family i guess yeah well it it is very odd but maybe it is one of those very few um genuine paranormal phenomena yeah Yeah, absolutely Um, i'm just going to tell you a little story um about spectral pigs because we've we've spoken a lot about dogs and let's go on to some pigs now this is a story of of some um spectral pigs on the eastern slopes of dartmoor um and it's known as the story of the sow of merry pit um on a dark and misty night you can see an old sow and a litter of little piglets crossing the moor and they're very very hungry and they've got to get to kator gate where the mother pig knows that there's a dead horse and the piglets say starving starving and the mother replies kate or gate kate or gate dead os dead os unfortunately when they get there the dead horse has probably been pecked mm. to the bones by ravens yeah almost certainly. and so the poor little piglets cry skin and bones skin and bones <laughs> and the mother replies let them lie let them lie and they turn around and trudge back to Merripit Hill. Mm. But as they do, they pass um, the ancient Dartmoor tenements of Runnage and Piswell. Right. And these were tenements granted by the Duchy of Cornwall and go back many, many centuries to the beginning of the Middle Ages. So it's quite possible that their story um, is hundreds and hundreds of years old. Well, I assume the story comes from people hearing those pigs across the winds and the moor, I imagine. Again, I think an awful lot of this is down to the mist, Mm. the howling of the winds through the rocks. Yeah. That doesn't, of course, explain the um, image of the three-eared hairs. Go on, three-eared hairs. Three three hairs, (laughs) three ears. Yes, okay. And this appears as a roof boss in Chagford Church, Tavistock Church. And elsewhere, across the world, you sometimes get this image of three hairs and the three heads share three ears. Um, They're known as Tinner's rabbits sometimes. But they're also believed to be part of um, the pagan hunt of Venus. Mm. I'm not quite sure. But Venus presumably hunted the hares. Right, okay. huddled together and they form this pattern three heads sharing just three ears and that's and that's actually been depicted then in uh, oh yes it's been depicted in art not only on dartmoor but but across the world very strange so one place i often like to to end up on yeah when i'm visiting dartmoor um, is the elephant's nest? Yeah. Well, I can't. Yes. Okay. Well, I can't imagine that that's named because there were elephants roaming around on Dartmoor. No, it's actually a pub on the edge of the moors, just above Mary Tavy. Apparently, it used to be called the New Inn. Okay. But at one time, the landlord was believed to be um, 
a fat and jolly fellow. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to direct operations from a bar stool. Right, okay. And some customer one day, rather rudely, I thought, said to him, oh, you look just like an elephant sitting on his nest. <laughs> and rather than just sort of punching me on the nose, yeah, yeah. Um, the landlord said, oh, yes, that's a rather um, amusing <laughs> image. I'll rename the pub. The Elephant's Nest. Uh, okay. And it's now a thriving hostelry. I think you and I yeah, have enjoyed yeah, an ale nice and a rather nice meal up there. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful place after a day on the moors to uh, to sit and relax. Um, but maybe back in the Neolithic, there might have been mammoths on Dartmoor. Oh, but okay. Certainly yeah. today, I don't think you'll find mm. any elephants. But if you stay too late and have a couple too many jars, you might find yourself chased by a pack of spectral hounds. You may indeed, or even some pink elephants. Who knows? <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you very much once again, Dan. It's an excellent episode. Well, it's been a great pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Right then. Well, uh, I think that does it for Beasts and Crypto Beasts. So I think the takeaway from that is, well, just... Beware generally, especially around when you're driving down the three three eight six. Three eight six. Watch out for spectral hounds and uh, ghost-like carriages. Never that, know. That's right. Mary Howard of Fitzford might still be out there. Indeed. Right then, and that draws this episode to a close, and we will catch you next time on Myth and More.